You're listening to the Yoga Teacher Resource Podcast. Knowledge, techniques, and inspiration for your teaching and your practice. I'm your host, Mado Hesselink. If you're a yoga teacher who loves learning, is passionate about spreading the benefits of yoga, and desires more resources to support your teaching, you're in the right place. Let's get started with today's episode. Being a yoga teacher is a high-stress, high-demand career. Yep, I really said that. I know that is pretty much the opposite of the public perception of being a yoga teacher, and that is the problem. Now, to some degree, it has always been this way, but being a yoga teacher today is not the same as it was when I first started teaching almost 20 years ago, and it's not even the same as when I first thought of supporting yoga teachers through the Yoga Teacher Resource. So first, why has it always been a high-demand career? Well, Primarily because you're signing up for constant introspection and growth, and that is usually stressful. Some people conveniently ignore that piece of the yoga system and instead focus on using asana to feel good. But those who embrace the entire system of yoga are signing up for discomfort. And in my experience, that is actually a really great thing. It's one of the features of being a yoga teacher. Too much comfort makes us uncomfortable over the long run, and the right dose of comfort helps build resilience and also teaches us to access a contentment that's deeper and more satisfying than simple comfort. Another way that being a yoga teacher has always been somewhat stressful is being responsible for your own livelihood. When you don't have an employer guaranteeing you wages and telling you what to do, like most yoga teachers, then there's a certain level of stress. You need to coordinate all the moving parts of your capacity to teach in order to make sure that there's enough to pay the bills. And stress is basically your brain perceiving a threat to your survival. Sometimes that threat is real and immediate, and sometimes it's not. But your brain cannot distinguish between real threat and perceived threat, immediate threat and potential long-term threat. The physical effects are the same. So teaching yoga has a similar element of stress as any self-employed person, but maybe an added layer because there's a lot of people who expect yoga teachers to teach for free or not care about the money, which often makes them feel some internal conflict because most yoga teachers want to teach as service. They want to be able to offer yoga to anyone, but they also want to pay their bills. So these are some of the ways that teaching yoga for a living has always been stressful. But over the past decade, things have ramped up a whole bunch and then even more over the past two years. The roles and expectations of yoga teachers have transformed drastically over the past decade. For example, when I first started teaching yoga in 2005, Social media did not exist, so creating content for social media was not part of the yoga teacher job description. If you wanted to create content, you would write articles for magazines, write a book, maybe have a blog, that would have been kind of fringe at the time, and possibly create a video if you had resources. But most people, we just showed up at the studio or the gym and taught. None of us were expected to do more than hang up flyers at the co-op about our classes. The first shift was with the growth of social media, where some enterprising, ambitious young yoga teachers managed to build 
really large followings in a very short amount of time. Other yoga teachers saw their success, got inspired, and jumped on the bandwagon. The increased competition made it more difficult for other yoga teachers to build their audiences quickly, but it also increased the standards for what type of content was expected. Soon, simple pictures of yourself in a yoga pose with a quote from somebody else were no longer sufficient. You had to hire photographers, and a lot of people ended up finding a lot of success by focusing on extreme poses in really glamorous settings, for example. Fortunately, there was also a backlash against that approach where more experienced and seasoned teachers with a lot of knowledge started to bring valuable in-depth content to social media. As we were exposed to more and more of this original content, more and more yoga teachers started to take an evidence-based approach to sharing yoga. Instead of simply believing everything that their own teacher had said without question, they started to examine the assertions, the intentions, and even the assumptions of their teachers. 15 or 20 years ago, when we had access to a lot fewer teachers, most people just learned from one or a handful of teachers that were usually in the same style or the same lineage. Then you would teach exactly what your teacher taught you. I believe that the critical thinking that being exposed to multiple viewpoints has brought us is an upgrade. And it's also more work. This has led more and more yoga teachers to study anatomy, physiology, and biomechanics. And these are really great skill sets for yoga teachers. And if you take them on, they're another layer of responsibility. Another side effect of some of this original content on social media is that it inspired difficult conversations around racism, cultural appropriation, healthism, diet culture, ableism, and other complex topics. This is awesome. This is a vital, these are vitally important conversations. And taken with the broader context of how the role of the yoga teacher has been changing, it contributes more layers of responsibility on each individual teacher. When the pandemic hit in the spring of 2020, yoga studios closed and yoga teachers moved their classes online. Some of them continued to teach under the umbrella of the studio with support, but many studios either closed or drastically reduced their number of teachers. So all of a sudden, the majority of teachers were striking out on their own. And in order to do so, they needed to learn about video technology, streaming technology, web design, credit card processing, how to retain their current students, and how to find new students online. So to sum it up, the average yoga teacher is now expected to be an anatomy expert, literate in anti-racism and cultural appropriation, well-versed in yoga philosophy, their own IT person, a graphic designer, a content creator, a marketing expert, and probably a lot more things that I'm blanking on right now. For those of us who started teaching yoga in simpler times, we've been able to slowly layer these skills on top of our original love and dedication to the practice. And this is especially true for anyone who already had a strong interest in some of these topics like social justice, philosophy, or even how technology can support the spread of information. However, other yoga teachers have not had the same experience. Some longtime and incredibly talented yoga teacher simply stopped teaching because they do not want to reconcile yoga and technology. 
Others continue to teach, but find the expectation of being online as more of a burden than an opportunity. And newer teachers are the ones who are in the toughest position because at this point, when you, if you start teaching yoga now, from the very beginning of your teaching career, you're expected to have something to say on social media. Your teaching practice doesn't have a safe space to incubate before being placed under a microscope and being open to criticism from all kinds of people who don't know you at all. The expectations of so much external focus as a teacher can prevent and distract you from building a strong relationship with your own personal practice and your relationship to your inner teacher. Just as you're starting to find your legs and find your voice, everything that you thought you knew starts to be called into question. And you receive so much conflicting advice and options and opinions through social media as you're doing your due diligence, which is fantastic. But the, the byproduct is that many yoga teachers develop debilitating cases of imposter syndrome from all of this input. You develop a broader sense of what it takes to be an excellent yoga teacher while earning a living doing it, but you're not provided with the tools and the skills to do so in a logistical and progressive sequence. So many newer yoga teachers end up in information overwhelm with too many options and not enough guidance. Now let's turn our attention to yoga teacher trainings. The idea that the 200 hour teacher training is just scraping the surface is not new. That conversation has been around for as long as I've been a teacher. And my understanding is that it's been around for as long as 200 hour trainings have been a thing. However, the expectations of what it means to be comprehensive has expanded and diversified. So this means that trainings that would have been considered higher quality 20 years ago would now be considered lacking. And even the very best 200 hour trainings cannot provide the depth and breadth of the diverse skill sets needed to thrive as a yoga teacher. So clearly 200 hours is just the beginning. However, many people sign up for these yoga teacher trainings with the idea first that yoga, teaching yoga is going to be a fulfilling and low stress way to earn a living and that at the end of their 200 hour training, they're going to feel qualified to be a yoga teacher. The people running the teacher trainings have a conflict of interest around bursting that bubble. Not to mention the fact that the people who sign up for these trainings are not equipped to evaluate them in the first place. Even new graduates of trainings don't know what they don't know and aren't in a great position to review them right after they graduate. They need more time to integrate what they did and didn't learn during their teacher training. So all of these circumstances have led to a proliferation of low quality trainings, graduating underqualified teachers who don't realize that they're underqualified, at least not at first. However, once they get into the classroom and once they start paying attention and realize, wow, this is a lot harder than I thought it was, that's when the overwhelm and the imposter syndrome often sets in. There are a small number of humans who happen to have the right background and the right skill set to graduate from a 200-hour training and launch right into building a thriving career. However, these 
people are almost always, I mean, as far as I have ever known, they are always the exception that proves the rule, meaning that they have some kind of circumstance such as resources to hire help, charisma, looks, a background in performance, a background in advertising, and an extraordinary amount of energy and dedication that give them an advantage when it comes to amalgamating all these skills. When you don't have enough of these advantages, though, you're going to struggle a lot, especially if you expect to start a career as a yoga teacher with 200-hour training. So it might sound like I am against the 200-hour training, but I am not. I think it has a place, especially as an accessible first step, for people to try out and decide to use the 200-hour training to help them decide whether or not they really want to be a yoga teacher. The vast majority of people, even currently, who graduate from 200-hour trainings never wind up teaching. And thank goodness for that. Can you even imagine how many more underqualified teachers there would be if all the people who had taken these trainings became teachers? I don't even want to think about that in too much depth, but based on what I have seen, about three quarters of the people who graduate from teacher trainings either teach a little bit and then move on to something else or never even teach at all. So in their case, the teacher training was an experience that provided personal growth and gave them the information that no, actually they don't wanna teach yoga for a living. So I appreciate the 200 hour benchmark as a training that's just intensive enough to really give people a taste of what's possible when you devote yourself to this kind of a practice without needing to first give up your day job. Almost everyone that I've ever spoken to who has taken a yoga teacher training but didn't end up teaching still feel like their lives were enriched by the experience. So I love the concept of a 200-hour training that doesn't lay the expectation ahead of time that everyone's going to become a teacher, but rather provides a lot of the same context and information and experiences while being a bit more upfront about the different paths available. Yoga teacher in your spare time as service, part-time yoga teacher, full-time yoga teacher, and what those different paths require. And I do believe that you can learn enough in a 200 hour training to teach a class that is safe, useful, and honors the roots of yoga, especially for those who get a strong foundation for their own practice in that training, and then continue to do the self-study. So for people who do not want or need to make a living through teaching, and are also willing to just show up at whatever space will host them and share yoga without worrying about how many people show up, a 200-hour training is a good start. And it may even be sufficient as far as formal long-term trainings go, since most yoga teachers end up taking a lot of continuing education courses simply out of passion and love of learning. However, for anyone who has a fire in their belly to do this full-time and make it either all or most of their livelihood, we need something more comprehensive. And I'm not talking about a 500 hour training that still wouldn't be sufficient. I'm thinking of something more like a college degree. 
I do think colleges or universities are a potential resource for creating this bigger, more comprehensive type of training because something that's going to do the yoga tradition justice is going to be a big undertaking and it needs resources. Colleges and universities have resources and they also have structures in place for scholarships and grants. While there are definitely some systemic problems with some of these institutions, or maybe all of them, I don't know enough about them. They have also, as a whole, as a group, been on the forefront of social justice movements and equity initiatives. So there are existing resources and, and structures in these areas to tap into. They're also not-for-profit, which means that they can leverage their resources for the greater good rather than always having to keep an eye on the bottom line. Finally, they have access to experts from many different fields like internet technology, marketing, accounting, graphic design, entrepreneurship, and philosophy. I see the possibility for an interdisciplinary degree centered in equity and the full spectrum of yoga where teachers are able to choose their path that either includes entrepreneurship or doesn't. Those who want to treat it treat it as more of a service or a hobby, they can. And those who want to make it a career are given the skills they actually need to thrive. I know that there are already degrees in entrepreneurship, but I believe that a yoga specific training needs to have yoga ethics and values interwoven more specifically through all aspects of the training. And I believe a nonprofit has the best chance of being able to accomplish this. Now, this is just my pipe dream, and it does not seem anywhere close to becoming reality. So where does this leave the thousands, if not millions of yoga teachers who've been cobbling together this education on their own for the past two through 20 plus years? Well, first of all, I think we need to acknowledge that teaching yoga is a high stress, high demand job and not expect it to be otherwise. Some people thrive in this, these kinds of conditions. Some people love high stress, high demand jobs. So if you don't experience being a full-time yoga teacher as high stress, then that's awesome. However, most of the yoga teachers I talk to do feel overwhelmed by the expectations and it's primarily expectations that they place on themselves, but they're picking it up from the wider culture. When people sign up to be a lawyer, for example, they expect it to be stressful. It may or may not end up working out for them, but they're probably not going to beat themselves up because they feel stressed. I want to bring this conversation to the forefront and talk about it so that Fewer yoga teachers feel like failures because they feel stressed out by their job, which they thought was going to be the opposite of stressful. I think this is a major reason why so many yoga teachers talk about imposter syndrome. There's a mismatch between their expectations of what they thought yoga teaching would be like and what it's actually like. In the absence of having this conversation and acknowledging the truth of what it's like to be a yoga teacher today, Many yoga teachers blame themselves. They think there's something wrong with them, that they can't live up to this ideal of the peaceful, centered person who achieves a life of balance between their taking care of their own well-being and serving others. Say it with me. 
Teaching yoga is a high stress, high demand career. If you know this from the outset and you still feel that this is what best aligns with your path, your mission, your reason for walking through the world, then it is an incredibly rewarding path, but it isn't easy. It isn't simple and it is not low stress. For all the yoga teachers who are choosing not to take this on, who want to simply go on practicing and teaching without worrying how many people show up in class, I'm extremely glad that you're here doing your work. Your path is the more traditional path, and it's not accessible for everyone, and it's not right for everyone. A lot of people need to earn a living in order to justify the time and expense of learning and teaching yoga. So I hope that those who have other means of support and are making the choice to share yoga freely as service, acknowledge what a privilege it is to be able to do that. And please lift up and support your fellow teachers who don't have the same freedom. Talk about their work in your classes, show up at their events and avoid undercutting them price-wise just because you can. There's definitely a time and a place for free or very low cost yoga, but it needs to be focused on underserved communities who wouldn't be able to access yoga otherwise. People who can afford to pay for yoga classes should be encouraged to do so. I'm going to take a little detour here and talk about the concept of seva or service. And this is talked about a lot in yoga teacher trainings and just in the general yoga culture, the concept of seva is really lifted up. And it's a beautiful idea from a different culture. There's a corresponding aspect to seva, and that is dana. Dana is literally means generosity, but the concepts of seva and dana go hand in hand. The culture where yoga teachers were expected to share their teachings for free for and by donation was also a culture where they were appreciated and supported through dana we live in a very different culture and the people that we're teaching don't have this framework so for them, paying for something is part of how they show commitment and part of what motivates them to show up. So personally, I would love to return to a culture where yoga teachers did not have to worry about business at all and could just focus on sharing their practice and be supported. And that is not reality now. Meanwhile, I'm going to be over here cheerleading you on and supporting you the best I can with the skill sets to navigate, survive, and even thrive in the current world that we live in. Part of this is by reminding you of the yoga tools that you can draw on to resource yourself. And the other part is by sharing some of the complementary skill sets and strategies that will support your business and your life. I have a brand new course that's right now open for registration. And it covers the intersection between these two skill sets. It's called focus and flow. And the purpose is to help you create boundaries, time, and attention for deep creative work, whatever that looks like for you. 
During the course, I'm going to teach exercises to help build awareness around your current habits and circumstances and bring clarity about how you actually want to structure your work and your life. You'll learn how to set strong boundaries about when, what, and how much sensory input you allow into your world. I'll also teach you how to use the time you have more effectively to make space for things that have been neglected but are really important to you. And finally, I will support you to strengthen or establish a meditation practice with a focus on the techniques that improve ability to focus and also switch at will between focus attention and open attention. If you're not sure what those terms mean, go back and listen to last week's episode all about meditation and ADHD. All of the practices and strategies inside Focus and Flow will be really helpful for the full-time yoga teacher, but it's also appropriate for any yoga teacher, whether brand new, part-time, full-time, or in transition. These are really the skills for living a sane and purposeful life in our crazy world. You don't actually even need to be a yoga teacher at all. If you have a friend that you want to invite to take it with you who isn't a yoga teacher, it would be completely fine as long as they're interested in yoga and interested in meditating. If you're listening to this podcast episode in the first few days after it's released, then you can sign up for Focus and Flow right now at teachingyoga.net slash focus dash and dash flow. I'll also add this link into the show notes. If you're listening later though, go to the same URL and you can either see if registration happens to be open and or get on the wait list. That's teachingyoga.net slash focus dash and dash flow. My wish is that this podcast episode helps to validate any feelings you might have that this job is more than you expected. If you feel overwhelmed, distracted, stuck, or insecure, I want you to know that you're not alone. I hope that you continue to practice and study yoga and to share that practice with those you believe will benefit. Whether this is in the form of a full-time career, a part-time job, a volunteer position, or something else, if you're teaching the full spectrum of yoga, you're needed in this world. And before you go and put more expectations on yourself from my use of the phrase full spectrum of yoga, remember you don't have to do it perfectly because nobody does. Just be a sincere student of the practice and the rest is inevitable. Thank you for listening and thank you for caring enough to teach yoga.